from KVMR and in partnership with Freed, this is Disability Rap. Before there were even lifts on the bus, I would have to get lifted or carried by my oldest sister who didn't have a disability onto the bus and the bus driver getting um, impatient. Today, Dan and Viola Dwyer on the joys and challenges of transportation for people with disabilities. And the day that Dan and I could wheel our power wheelchairs onto a plane, well, first I'm going to cry, but the second thing I'm going to do is just be totally elated. I mean, it will be revolutionary just to do that simple act. That's all coming up right here on Disability Wrap. Stay tuned. Welcome to Disability Rep. I'm Carly Pacheco with Carl Sigmund. Today on the show, we're going to talk transportation for people with disabilities and the opportunities and challenges that come with public transportation for our community. We're joined by Dan and Viola Dwyer. Disability Rep listeners may remember Dan and Viola from our February 2021 show when we did a Valentine's Day special. If you missed that episode, go to freed.org slash disabilityrap, where you can listen to it or read the transcript. Dan and Viola are a married couple living just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. In 2020, they started a YouTube channel called The Ginchiest, where they talk about disability experiences and what these experiences teach people about being human. They're working to create a society where differences are intriguing and accepted, not shameful and feared. In addition to their work on the Ginchiest, Viola is now a lead recruiter at La Jolla Logic. She was born with a genetic neuromuscular disease called spinal muscular atrophy. She grew up using a wheelchair and continues to do so today. Dan was in a hit and run accident at the age of nine that left him in a coma for three months and resulted in a traumatic brain injury that he lives with today. Here's an interview Carl recorded with Dan and Viola last month. Dan and Viola. It is great. To have you back on the show. I actually want to to begin where we first met. I met you. In the main Amtrak train station in Philadelphia, Thirtieth Street Station. You were waiting for a train to go south. To Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was waiting for a train north to Massachusetts. Where I was living at the time. 
And I want to begin there. Because I think it says so much. About our experiences as people with disabilities. Riding public transportation. Can you reflect a bit? About that trip to Charlotte? If I remember, remember, you you said they put you in each in separate cars. What was that whole trip like like for you? I don't recall if we actually had to be separated. Um, though that has happened many a time on a SEPTA train where there isn't enough space uh, because in typical train cars, there's only a designated space for maybe um, the mo- two, two wheelchairs about. And so, um, it, especially on SEPTA, it can be very, very tight. Um, the train cars are, are older and there isn't as much space allocated. Um, and then in, in Amtrak, it can, it can come to that because um, there also isn't a lot of space where it's just given, you're given a, I would say like typically they put you near where the luggage is stored uh, and the bathrooms. Um, which can be a, a double-edged sword uh, to be by the bathrooms. But, um, but yeah, so uh, that trip, um, uh, we, we had to stay together because um, we, we needed to help each other. That trip was a very, very long one. I think it took, how many hours did it take, Dan, to get um, there from Philadelphia? Well. 12 hours? I yeah so you know I, I we had to stay together because we we helped each other i helped dan with food and dan helps me with positioning and things so thank, thank you, you. and i should so, note for a national audience that SEPTA is the regional transit provider. In the Philadelphia area. I want to go back even more. What are some of your earliest memories? Like 
Riding public transit. As disabled people. What was that like? For both of you. I just Uh, I mean, my, my earliest memory of 
using uh, public transportation is this is before there were even lifts on the bus buses and I would have to get lifted or carried by my oldest sister who didn't have a disability onto the bus and the bus driver getting um, impatient because she then had to get back off the bus to take up my wheelchair, fold it and um, and get me situated before actually moving again. And I just remember how, you know, um, how much the center of attention I was, how many people were staring, um, how awkward it felt to be lifted and carried all that way. Um, so I was very, very grateful once lifts became uh, the norm on the city buses. And particularly when they, they switched to the fold-out ramp ones, because I feel very uncomfortable in the prior um, type of lifts where they were like, uh, they were like steps that transformed into a platform lift. And I've heard horror stories of it malfunctioning and people falling off of them and, uh, from their wheelchairs. And I was always worried that that wouldn't, that would be me. So I really, really feel much safer with the fold-out ramp. Yeah, I also grew up in... Yeah, I also grew up in Philadelphia. And I actually had forgotten about those about those lifts on SEPTA buses. I was never scared of those. I was never scared of those lifts. But the lifts I am But the lifts I am terrified of. Or on are on long-distance coach buses. Have you ever used Have you ever them? used them? Yes, Dan has. Dan, he's talking about the Greyhound lifts. Remember that, that, that raise you really high up in the air? Yeah. <laughs> But, but Dan has an adventurous spirit, you see, like not, not much freaks Dan out. He's not afraid of many things. So so I like you know tremble and as I look on, because I would never I, I think I did it once or twice, and I told them it was a mega bus bus, and <laughs> I thought I I might die on this thing. So I we had to ride Amtrak going back. Um this is a DC trip, but Dan, he, he will regularly do it. He, if he, if, if it required it, he will get on a Greyhound bus and get on that tiny little platform and be raised like seven feet in the air. For me, hi, this not much. 
The height is not what is scary. But in my experience, half the time, they don't work properly. Or the bus drivers. Don't know how to operate them well. No, I mean, we've even uh, had to uh, coach or guide along uh, a Greyhound bus driver um, during one of Dan's adventures to uh, Pittsburgh. Yep. Yup, been there as well. I want to pivot. To talking about accessible vans. You have one. I now have one. I now have one myself. And I know for me, it has opened up a huge number of possibilities. A huge number of possibilities. That were not previously available to me. Can you talk a bit about your experience? Can you talk a bit about your experiences? Accessible bands, wheelchair accessible bands at least, um, are are very very expensive, and uh, it, it typically. Um, need to be paid for by some entity, and uh, we've so we're very fortunate to be able to have access even to a van and and to get help with the payment of the conversion because there's the van itself that's your average minivan typically, and then there's the conversion which um requires the van floor to typically be lowered and there to, to seats, seats being taken out um brackets being put in to strap down the the wheelchair um a ramp mechanism to be installed all of these things and then if you're a driver because some wheelchair users um will drive themselves then that's another you know uh, additional equipment that's quite pricey I mean, I I did go through the process of getting my license, but I never felt safe with the system that I trained on, which was the Scott system at the time. I never really felt safe driving, so I never did. And so I I ended up by my parents, you know, they, they were able to fund um, the conversion uh, when, when I was in my late, uh, or my early 20s, so I didn't have it growing up, which was a huge um, uh, difficulty. Like, as, as you said, Carl, like, I mean, when you have a van and you can suddenly move around uh, more freely and I have to rely on these crazy bus schedules and, 
being late all the time, it really does open up a world of, of possibilities. Um, it is extremely challenging financially to afford a van and to have one is a true privilege because not many people with disabilities who need it get them. So for to get back to the possibility of driving, um, it, it's something that I want to explore again because the technology has changed now so that you can drive with very limited like um, hand strength. And uh, as long as you have some coordination um, or even like some way to manipulate a joystick, because that's something that, you know, possibly Dan could, could do as well. Um, there, there is that technology now. And so if, if we were, if either one of us or both of us were able to drive our own van, that would add to our autonomy as well. Because right now we rely on our assistance to drive our van for us in it. And that is kind of, it's, it's difficult. It makes it more difficult. It's almost to the point of, you know, public transportation because we need to coordinate with their schedule. And it's not when and wherever you want to go. I could not agree. I could not agree more. I just want and I just want to say for our listeners, wherever you are, I think if you are in the United at least if you are in the United States, if you are considering getting an if you are considering getting an accessible van, reach out to your your local independent living center and they can help you explore various funding opportunities. At least for the accessible conversion portion of the cost of the cost of the van. It is definitely a privilege to own one. Air travel. What has that been like? What has that been like for you? What stories do you have? What stories do you have there? We we could talk for the rest of our lives about that one, Carl. Because wow. Uh, <laughs> but for you, it's, I think, more easy. Yes. 
Dan Dan is able to walk on and off um, a plane and get situated himself on, in, a, in an airplane seat. Um, he does. You do. You have brought your wheelchair though. We've, yes. We've traveled. Two pitch burn and Arizona. Yes, to Pittsburgh and Arizona. Yeah. Uh, and did you have any problems with your chair after it arrived? No. Okay, you're lucky. Uh, <laughs> uh, because I purposely, uh, so I've traveled, both of us have traveled extensively, but Dan doesn't always take his chair, and there's a reason for that. Now, I cannot leave my chair because, unlike Dan, I'm not able to walk at all, and I rely on my chair um, the full time. Uh, so we've both traveled internationally and I purposely leave my power chair uh, home because it is nearly guaranteed that something will go wrong with the chair upon destination arriving. Uh, and power chairs are way too expensive, way too customized of equipment to take that risk. And so again, I've been very fortunate to have a separate chair that I've used just for traveling. That's lightweight. Um, it's kind of like the very, very old version of what exists now that I think are called like easy light chairs or something that are very, they're becoming more and more um, uh, accessible, I think financially and in terms of like accommodating air travel restrictions. And so I had one from Embicare, which was about the same price range, but it wasn't meant for air travel, but I got it purposely for air travel because of the, the excessively high rate of damage that airline carriers do to power wheelchairs. It's horrible, it's made news, it's you know going viral on TikTok. It's a problem. And the day that Dan and I could wheel our power wheelchairs onto a plane, well, first I'm going to cry, but the second thing I'm going to do is just be totally elated. For I mean, it will be revolutionary just to do that simple act. Yes. Yes, indeed. As we begin uh, to wrap up, other than driving wheelchairs onto planes, which seems like a no-brainer. What else would you like transit operators? 
and transit planners. No, to know about our community and our travel needs. I would say that it's not as complicated as you think. I would even go back a step to to uh, to other solutions such as autonomous vehicles. I think that there could be more inclusivity there, and it would really open up a. a a broader range of options for people with disabilities transportation-wise. If we were thinking about, okay, when we're building these autonomous vehicles, are we thinking about people with various physical abilities? Um, And I don't think the answer is yes right now. I I mean, I have yet to to, uh, see an autonomous vehicle that's that's really integrating um, different abilities. So I think that that is another area where um, we could see more inclusivity. Um, but yeah, to, to the transit planners and the operators, I, I would say it's it's not that complicated, and, but it, it, it makes a world of a difference when we are included in the planning. That was Carl's interview with Dan and Viola Dwyer. Again, their YouTube channel is The Ginchiest. To listen to our interview with them from February 2021, go to freed.org disabilitywrap And that does it for this show, which was produced and edited by Carl Sigmund. Special thanks to Courtney Williams for her support. To listen to the show again, go to freed.org slash disabilitywrap or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Carly Pacheco with Carl Sigmund for another edition of Disability Rap. Disability Rap.